Good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> you know, it's, uh, it's interesting that we are about to talk about Acts chapter 8 in this moment because, you know, I, I tell you guys all the time, and I hope that you uh, understand that this isn't my wife and I uh, say uh, without total thought and appreciation that you really are our faith family. And by that, what I mean is, is I, I understand and I know that no matter what we go through, or what we experience, that many of you are praying for us and that you walk through that with us. And I have members of my own family that are blood in here, uh, but I want you all to know and to understand that I think of all of you in that way, and I know Sarah does it well, as well. Uh, in Acts chapter 8, we're going to see this amazing moment where God is calling somebody to do something spectacular in the midst of what is crisis. Now, imagine if uh, in the middle of what we have experienced here this morning, there was persecution. There was a group that came in to drive us away and to tell us that we could not practice the faith that we believe and to tell us that we cannot experience the relationship and the love from Jesus Christ that we experience in this place, to tell us that the Holy Spirit uh, is false and that that we claim is no longer true. You see, in Acts chapter 1, if you remember, Jesus told his disciples before he ascended into heaven that they would be messengers in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Do you remember him saying that? Well, what we have experienced so far in the book of Acts is Jerusalem, the first part of what Jesus had told them that they would do. If you remember, they had stood at the temple at Solomon's Gate and the other gates, and they had preached Jesus to the Jews. And there in Jerusalem, where the people would come and gather in their spiritual and their holy place, they stood there and they preached Jesus as the Messiah. And we learned that thousands were saved. Well, what happened from there, and the part that we're going to kind of breeze through to get to the chapter that we want to get to today, is the persecution, the persecution of Saul that took place immediately after that. You will read in those next couple of chapters about bribery, about lies, about them being ran out from the city, and finally about Stephen being stoned to death. You will read all of these unbelievable stories that pushed the early church, we call them, outside of Jerusalem. Now, why did that happen? There's a couple reasons why that happened. The first reason why that happened was because the leaders in Jerusalem were scared to death. We've heard that before, right? The second thing and second reason that we know why that happened is because Jesus said that you will not only do it in Jerusalem, but you will do it in Judea and Samaria. And so if you take the church and you push them out, guess where they got to go? Out. So exactly what Jesus said would happen was starting to happen. And so now we're going to start reading about the second part of that. Not only was the message spread in Jerusalem, but now into Judea and Samaria. First, we're going to talk about Samaria. Now, how are we going to get there? Acts chapter 8, we read about Philip. How many of you know about Philip? 
Philip was a disciple of Jesus Christ. He was doing amazing things. You can read in Acts chapter 7 about the fact that miracles were happening through Philip in the name of Jesus Christ, and all these amazing things were happening. And then persecution. Let's start there. Acts chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 8. I want to read for you the first part. Missy, forgive me, this isn't in the, in the computer back there. But the first part in chapter 8, it says, and this was talking about the murder of Stephen. It says, that set off a terrific persecution of the church in Jerusalem. The believers were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. All, that is, but the apostles, good and brave men, buried Stephen, giving him a solemn funeral, and not many dry eyes that day. Look at verse 3. And Saul just went wild, devastating the church, entering house after house after house, dragging men and women off to jail, forced to leave home base. The follower of Jesus, the followers of Jesus, became missionaries. Now, we send our missionaries out of a spiritual obligation. We read in Scripture, Scriptures like when Jesus said, you will go all over the world, and so we send missionaries all over the world. And we send them specifically into places that we really can't understand as Americans because we're spoiled, right? As far as faith comes, we're spoiled. We get to worship what we want to, when we want to, and how we want to. Right? It's even to the point where now we talk like we all worship the same God anyway. Right? You hear people say that kind of stuff all the time. It's a lie. You hear me, church? It's a lie. But you hear that kind of stuff all the time, right? Well, whatever spiritual being it is, we're all praying to the same one anyway. Right? Because we're spoiled Americans when it comes to faith. We can have our church not only when we want, but however we want. We can pull it up church on our phone. We can bring up church on our TV or church on the internet. We can bring up church. We get mad if our churches don't record so that we can listen to it later, right? We're getting better at that, Nate. <laughs> right? But, that's right. But, but that's what happens with us. Now, here I want you to see a situation where missionaries were born not out of necessity, not out of fear, not out of obligation. They were born through the movement of the Holy Spirit. Because what we would have seen is scared people running from a city where they were being persecuted from. But instead, what they saw was opportunity. That's crazy. Do you know why that happens within you? Whenever you're facing some type of obstacle and you're pushed beyond the borders of what you're used to and feel safe in, have you ever been there? Have you ever found yourself in a place in life where you weren't necessarily opening the door of opportunity that you thought you would be standing at? Have you ever been at the place in life where you got fired from a place and then last week spent the whole day there? It's fun, right? You ever find yourself at a place where you are looking in the mirror of your life and you don't recognize what you see? And saw that as opportunity. Peter had been preaching. You remember this? Peter had been preaching to them. Change your heart. 
Change your heart. Change yourselves. Make a change. Do something different. And what happens when you start to see life in a different way is you start to embrace the things that you used to ignore. And you start to realize that no matter where you stand or where you're from or where, what name you wear or, or if, you were a, if you were addicted, no matter what power you used to hold over your life, no matter what sickness you used to walk in, no matter what goes on with you, God can use you. So here is a group of disciples cast out, persecuted, literally running for their lives. And the thought that enters their mind is, now we can become missionaries. Are you, what? (laughs) Right? That's crazy. But we stand here today because of that craziness. We have the ability to be spiritually spoiled because of that craziness. Let's read some more craziness. Let's keep going. Look at verse 26. It says, later, God's angel spoke to Philip. You want to talk about crazy? Here comes crazy. Get ready. You ready for crazy? Greg, you ready for crazy? Here we go. Later, God's angel spoke to Philip at noon today. I want you to walk over to that desolate road that goes from Jerusalem down to Gaza. The Spirit of the Lord came to Philip and said, at noon today, what's the hottest part of the day? Somewhere around noon. And I want you to walk, Philip, over to this strip of road. You don't know what's there. You don't know who's there. You don't know what's going to happen. Now, I just read a half chapter ago that they're all being persecuted. Do you remember that? Do you remember the fact that they are looking over their shoulders? They're wondering what's next. They're watching people die. They're seeing the disciples that they're coming up with literally getting hit in the head with stones until they die. And now the Holy Spirit tells Philip, I want you to go to a desolate road by yourself and and just because I said so. Now, here's the crazy part. You ready for some crazy? Greg, you want some crazy? Here's the crazy part. Look at the next verse. And he got up and went. Okay, you guys must not, you must not live life like I do, because I'm going to tell you what would have happened. The Holy Spirit would have came to Brad. And the Holy Spirit would have said, Brad, I need you to go to this desolate road out here. You know nothing about it. You don't know where it is. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who you're going to meet. You don't know why I'm sending you there. And I would have went, well, Holy Spirit, answer all those questions in the order you receive them, and then I'll go. But that's the difference between me and a Holy Spirit-filled disciple who sees the opportunity in the craziness. And the Holy Spirit came upon him and said, go to this road, and he got up and went. And here's who he met. You want to get even crazier? He met an Ethiopian eunuch coming down the road. Now, of all the people you thought might be coming down the road that day, do you think Philip was looking for an Ethiopian eunuch? No. And here's what happens. The eunuch had been on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem and was returning to Ethiopia, where he was the minister in charge of all of the finances of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. You see what just happened there? To anyone else, he's a strange man on a strange road. But in the plan that is laid out by the Lord, 
He is the financial prince of the queen of Ethiopia. And he had just found his way to Jerusalem. Why? Because he was on a spiritual pilgrimage. And he was looking for answers. And he couldn't find them in Ethiopia, so he found his way to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, he looked for answers. Look what, look what happens next. He was riding in a chariot and reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit told Philip, climb into the chariot. Now, I live in Huber. <laughs> but if the Spirit tells me to climb into a chariot, I'm not climbing in the chariot. And I'm definitely not climbing into a Cadillac if I belong in a Geo. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're talking about a man who has nothing as far as material comes. Trying to get into the cabinet or the chariot of the man who owns all of the money that, that, is, that is in the country. Do you understand? He controls where the pennies go. He owns all the authority. The queen had placed him in that authority. And the spirit tells Philip, get up in that chariot. And so running up alongside, Philip heard the eunuch reading Isaiah, and he asked, do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what you're reading? Here's the next craziness in the story. You are alone. You're walking on a desolate road. There's nothing on that road but one chariot, and you know that's the road that the Holy Spirit wants you to go into. So you run down the road. Holy Spirit tells you get in the chariot. What do we read? Philip's not real fast, so we had to run alongside it, right? Could you imagine him trying to grab for that chariot? And as he's running alongside the chariot, could you imagine the eunuch inside the chariot looking at his driver, probably like, y'all need to speed up a bit, (laughs) right? And in the midst of all of that action, here comes Philip running alongside, listening, what? For his opportunity. Because remember, even though he was persecuted, even though he was chased out of the place he belonged, even though he was no longer at home, even though he was in a weird place, in a weird opportunity with a weird person, even though all of that was happening to him, he was still focused on his mission first. You can bring anything in my direction that you think will defeat me, but I will be focused on where God has sent me first. And so the entire time that I would have been complaining, that most of y'all would have been complaining, the entire time that you're getting rocks in your sandals and wondering, what am I doing on this stupid road next to a stupid chariot with a guy I don't even know? Why do I care what's about to happen to this man? Philip was on a mission. And so he screams into the chariot, do you understand what you're reading? What's he screaming? Let me in. Right? Not into the chariot. Not into security. Not into safety. Not into probably what was a cooler part of that day. But into his heart. Into his mind. And this is what happens next. He answered him and said, How can I understand without some help? 
And he invited Philip into the chariot with him. And the passage he was reading was this. This was probably an accident too, right? As a sheep led to slaughter and quiet as a lamb being sheared, he was silent. Saying nothing, he was mocked and put down, never got a fair trial. But who now can count his kin since he has been taken from the earth? And the eunuch said, tell me who is the prophet talking about, himself or somebody else? Now imagine all this labor that Philip had up until this moment. He climbs into the chariot and the eunuch turns to him and says this, teach me. Now, how many teachers do we have in here? We got teachers in here. Yes, yes, raise your hand, teachers. Be proud. How would you feel, teachers, those of you who are bosses, you have employees under you, those of you who are supervisors in some way, how would you feel if the people that you were teaching or working with turned to you and said, Teach us. Right? We are awaiting your knowledge. We will sit here silently with our hands folded in great appreciation of each morsel of knowledge that comes our way. Emily right now is like, that's what they do every day. This is what Philip says. Philip grabbed his chance and using the passage as his text, he preached Jesus to him. And as they continued down the road, they came to a stream of water. And the eunuch said, here is water. Why can't I be baptized? Y'all, I just got goose pimples on the back of my neck. Because I want you to see that Philip did not go to the eunuch and say, here is water, we need to get you baptized. You see that? The eunuch saw the water. The eunuch saw the opportunity. See, all this time you thought that the Holy Spirit sent the eunuch to Philip. But what I need you to realize and understand is Philip is the tool and the eunuch is the opportunity. See, we see ourselves as missionaries into this fallen world, right? As people who have the answer and the truth. And we will come and we will preach and teach and y'all better hold your breath because we will dunk you underwater. (laughs) But what I need you to understand is the book of Acts teaches us everything but that. The book of Acts teaches us that I don't care if you're a persecuted human being. I don't care if nothing has gone right in your life. I don't care if your family is being arrested in this moment. I don't care if your brothers and sisters in Christ are getting their heads beaten with rocks and they are dying on the side of the road and the only person who cares that they lay there dead are you and your other brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't care where you come from, what you look like, how you feel, or what you have studied in the past. I don't care what level of prosperity Prosperity falls upon your family if you will just give me the opportunity and listen to my calling. I will use you in a mighty way. Philip was an ordinary man. 
He had no special calling, nothing that you have not been offered. He was a disciple of Jesus Christ who was open to the movement of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit moved through him in unbelievably crazy ways. And we know that only because he got up and went. What if we took that verse out? What if Philip was more like Brad and he got up and questioned? Or got up and hesitated? Or got up and wondered? Or got up and checked his checkbook? Or got up and looked for his wallet? Or got up and looked for all the other obligations in his life before that one? What if that a man on a spiritual journey looking straight into the eyes of Jesus and not knowing it would have never found his opportunity to be baptized into a new faith. And that's sad. Now, what does that got to do with anything, you might ask? Because you remember Jesus said that you will be missionaries into Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, and then into the ends of the world. What you have to understand is one of the strongest Christian uh, uh, fatherhood spaces on this earth. And what I mean by that is some of the most devout Christian churches in the world, guess where they are? Ethiopia. Ethiopia. And do you know why they're there? There there are some who say that the body of Christ himself is buried in Ethiopia. Has to be. Why? Because there's this revolution, this waterfall of Christianity that will not die there. It's a stubborn faith in that country. Do you know why they said that? Why they continue to say that? Because Philip got up and went. And the request was crazy. And the mission was insane. And it was in an unbelievable moment in history. But he got up and he went. Will you stand with me? There's two reasons why I shared that story with you this morning. The first reason is this. I hope that over the next week, you will begin a self-evaluation of where you are and where you stand as a disciple of Christ. Now, I want you to understand something, church, that, that we have educated you, and when I say we, I mean us pastors, we've educated you that you need to say the right thing and do the right thing and be there at the right time and don't miss any opportunity and make sure that you're always on guard and, you know, do all the things right and perfectly well or else God is never going to uh, move through you. You'll forget it, you'll miss it, and you won't be the good Christian you're supposed to be. But what I want to tell you this morning is this. It has nothing to do with your timing. It has everything to do with his. It has nothing to do with your timing. It has everything to do with his. I, I stood in that church last week with people that I do love in a moment that was kind of hard for me. And I stood there and I looked around there and the thing that hit me in the head was this has nothing to do with you. It's got everything to do with them. And if God wants me to stand there in this moment and preach the word that he's put on my heart at that time, then that's exactly what I will do. I don't care what has taken place in that moment because I truthfully don't know anything about persecution. Not like they did. 
So if God wants me to stand here, I'll stand here. If he wants me to shout from this pulpit, I'll shout from this pulpit. But truthfully, that's the lesson that all of us need to understand and learn. It's about just going. It's about moving. It's about being in that opportunity, not because you feel obligated to, but because the Holy Spirit has led you in that moment. The Holy Spirit will guide you to the next step, and the Holy Spirit will open the door that needs to be opened. It's not your job to be the Holy Spirit. It's not your job to stand in judgment of other people. It's not your job to stand there and tell them how they could be better Christians or this or that or anything other. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. And what we like to do is look for the people that have hurt us in the past and stand there and judge them and tell them why it is that God's not moving in their life. We know because God's moving in ours. So y'all must be doing something wrong, right? But Philip sat in that carriage and all he said was, can I explain that to you? Because the focus wasn't my pain. The focus isn't your pain. The focus isn't where you come from or what hurt you walk out of. The focus isn't even where God has brought you from. The focus is Jesus. And when we lose sight of that, we lose sight of the people we're supposed to be. When the focus becomes us or our pain, we lose sight of who our calling is for. Philip could have sat in that chariot and went, oh, eunuch. If you'd only know what Jerusalem's like right now, right? But the truth is, most of us as Christians, that's what we would have done. Oh, come on, you, you don't know persecution. You should have seen what happened to my brother Stephen last week. Philip's attention, his focus, his drive, his passion, his speech, the way his feet walked or ran next to that chariot, Everything had everything to do with Jesus. And we read it and it's crazy. And I didn't even get to the crazy part. Here comes the crazy part. The crazy part is then Philip baptizes the eunuch. The eunuch comes up out of the water and Philip is gone, y'all. He's gone. God picked him up, sent him somewhere else. He's on to the next part of his journey. The eunuch comes out of the water and is looking in the water for Philip. Right? No. You know what happens? The Bible says the eunuch came up and began to praise God, and he had found that which, is, that which he was looking for. He wasn't looking for Philip. He was looking for Jesus, and he found him, and now he could move on with peace. That's crazy, y'all. That's crazy. So here's my challenge to you. This is it, then I'll get off, I promise. Here's my challenge to you. My challenge to you is this. This week, as you're living your day-to-day, -day, as you're walking your life, as you're looking at the things that are taking place and that you encounter, for those of you who stand here as prosperous men and women of God, this includes you too. As you stand there in the glory of what God has done for you, I want you to ask yourself, what is your focus? 
It's the focus on the prosperity. It's the focus on the lack thereof. It's the focus on your health care. It's the focus on the fear that's ahead of you. It's the focus on anything other than Jesus. Because if it is, I want you to confess of that immediately. I want you to immediately pray and say, Jesus, I confess that fear to you. I confess that anxiety to you. I confess anything that is a part of this daily walk of mine to you right now if the focus is not on you. And I promise you what Peter has asked you to do in sermon after sermon after sermon and the changing of yourself, change yourself, change yourself. That is an automatic thing that will happen as the Holy Spirit changes your heart. The whole book of Acts is simply this. And we're going to keep going with it because I love it. I hope you're liking it. I love it. We're going to keep marching. But it's all about this. Christianity has nothing to do with the acts of the disciples. It has nothing to do with the acts of the disciples. It has everything to do with the acts of the Holy Spirit. That is exciting because the Holy Spirit is crazy, y'all. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I thank you, Father, for this city and this church and this place and the people that are here. I thank you, God, for all of my brothers and sisters in Christ. And Father, I pray that as men and women of God, as disciples of Jesus Christ, that our hearts and our minds and our movements will be open to the calling of the Holy Spirit. That as a church, Father, the things that you call us out to do are stricken down if they're about our glory, if they're about our opportunities, if they're about our fears or our anxieties, so that, Father, our full attention, our full desire, our full passion is for what you have called us to do. God, I am excited for the opportunity for the ministry that you have called us into as we move forward. I thank you. I praise you. I love you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray.